0: chapter 17 matthew chapter 17. let me uh i know that last week you looked at uh 24 and 25 we're going to go back and pick up uh, what was going on in 17 up to that point a couple of weeks ago if you remember uh, we were talking about the mounting opposition that jesus was feeling from the pharisees and the sadducees and the scribes and the teachers of the law they were kind of he was beginning to feel some of that opposition that was there uh, and the disciples were kind of feeling some of that pressure as well. And so Jesus begins to prepare them for that mounting opposition that, that uh, was coming their way. Um, his message was, is, you know, hey, um, I am more than adequate. More than adequate to be able to take care of whatever needs you have. And he continued to preach that. He said, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid in Matthew chapter 15. And so then, if you remember, uh, the disciples didn't get it. They didn't get it. They weren't quite sure as to who in the world this guy was. And so Jesus, almost as a fugitive at this point, goes to the north up to Caesarea Philippi, and he asks his disciples, he says, "Who do people say that I am?" And they said, "Well, some John the Baptist." Blah, blah, blah. He said, "But who do you say that I am?" And Ben Peter says, "You are the Christ." Bingo, bingo. All right, we're we're now kind of kind of in that ballpark here. Yeah, that's right. We're 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 going. So now he begins to teach his disciples and to prepare his disciples saying, I am going to go to Jerusalem, and I am going to die. Now, the disciples at this point, you know, were, were kind of, wait a second here, I'm not putting all this together. You say you're adequate. You say that you have this all under control. But now you're saying that you're going to go to Jerusalem and you are going to, to die. And then right after, in chapter 16, if you got your Bibles open, and in following right after Peter's confession of Christ, there in Matthew chapter 16, in verse 24, he basically starts to encourage the disciples that life is truly found in him. Stick with me. Hang in there. Trust me. Be dependent upon me. And he says, I want to prepare you as true followers of me as a disciple. And then in verse 24, he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my life will find it. And the disciples at this point are saying, what, there's a self to deny, there's a cross to bear, there's a person to follow. Now the question is, is, is this guy really worthy to follow? Is he worthy to follow? Well, now that sets us up for Matthew chapter 17. How many of you remember Y2K? Huh? Huh? Yeah? We... Uh, it was uh, used to describe that possible computer glitch that was supposed to happen in between 1999 and the year 2000. For those of us that remember it, doomsayers said that you know the possibilities existed from uh, loss of uh, everything to electricity to the banking system was going to go going to go crazy, and so books were sold and conferences were held and. Survivalists came up, you know, and had you stockpiling everything from generators to candles to heating and cooking provisions, everything of that nature. One individual that I had talked to had six months worth of provisions, you know, uh, stockpiled up. The question became is, okay, who are you going to listen to? You know, if you were listening to the doomsayers, you would have stockpiled a bunch of stuff for that magical hour that was going to happen in between 1999 and 99 in the year 2000. If you weren't going to listen to them, you did nothing. The question was is, OK, who are you listening to? Well, we've got a lot of voices now that basically are kind of doing the same thing, number of voices that are crying for our attention. Uh, you know, all ready to give us opinions, all ready to give us advice on just about every topic that uh, you would want to to know about. And some you don't even want to know about, they're going to give you advice about. I mean, you know, Dr. Phil and Oprah and Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, you know, they all have an opinion about something of that nature. Then you get into the evangelical arena. And you've got more in the evangelical arena. You've got Tony Evans and Chip Ingram and David Jeremiah and Chuck Swindoll, John MacArthur, Rick Warren, George Barna, on and on and on. Advice, advice is everywhere. In fact, I looked up in Google, advice. I got 16, 800 thousand hits. 16 million pieces of advice, redneck advice, brought 22,100 hits, (laughs) Aggie advice, Six thousand seven hundred forty pieces of advice. That doesn't include the self-help books, the CDs, you know, everything else that could have been sold. Advice is everywhere. Here are a couple of my favorite. You know, Harry Truman said, if you can't convince them, confuse them. (laughs) Dan Quayle. If we don't succeed, we run the risk of failure. <laughs> Another one, a little inaccuracy sometimes saves a ton of explanation. <laughs> Amen. But the question is, is, who are you listening to? are you listening to? Who's influencing your thinking? Who's influencing your behavior? Uh, who has equal authority and influence in your life? Is Jesus really worthy of my allegiance? I mean, that was the question that the disciples were, were asking. Is he really worthy to be followed? Is he the one amongst all the 22,000 whatever pieces of Aggie advice or whatever I could get, is he the one that I should be listening to? Is he really worthy of my allegiance? Okay, that's basically where the disciples were. Matthew chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 17. Verses 1 through 8. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. And Peter said to him, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell down to the ground and were terrified. Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Get up. Do not be afraid. What a moment. Get up. Do not be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. All right. Transfiguration happens right after Peter's profession of, of who Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi who do people say that I am? Thou art the Christ. Whoa, Peter. Follow me, basically is what he's saying. Jesus says, follow me. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and die. Now the disciples are kind of going, is this guy really worthy of our allegiance? Is he really worthy to be followed? Do I really want to listen to to this guy? I've said who I think he is. I believe that he's the Christ, but Is he worthy to be followed? Jesus basically said, hey, some of the qualifications here is you need to self to deny, a cross to bear, a person to follow. He says, follow me. So with that floating around in Peter's mind, we come to verses 1 through 8, and I've divided this section into three sections. One, verses 1 through 3, Jesus is transfigured, verses 1 through 3. Peter speaks in verse 4, and then God Intervenes in verses five through eight. The ev- event really, at this point, has an awful lot to do with confirming Peter's confession of faith, but also fulfilling Jesus' prediction as to what was going to happen in the future, but, and also convincing him that hey, look, and despite his impending in death, impending death and where he was going, despite all of that, he is worthy to be followed. We're going to come back to all of this here in just a second. Verses 1 through 3, though. Look at, look at what it says. We see Jesus is transfigured. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and they led him up on a high mountain by themselves. All right, so uh, six days later, now Mark says, uh, I mean, Luke says eight days, not, no real problem here if you count the day of and the day uh, back, so that would be 1st and 8th, so six, eight, depending upon how you, you, you count. They go up to a high mountain. They, scripture doesn't tell us what mountain that is. Tradition has it that it was Mount Tabor, however, Mount Tabor is south of where they were. You remember they were up in Caesarea Philippi, up close to Mount Hermon. So Mount Hermon rises 9,200 some odd feet above. So that is the closest high mountain to where they were. Uh, Tradition has Tabor. Tabor is pretty far south. It only goes up to 1,900 feet anywhere. Anyway, I think it was probably up to the north in the region where they were, up towards Caesarea Philippi, up at the foot of Mount Hermon up in that region where they they currently were located. He takes those three, and they go up there to pray. Verse 2 and 3, we see the main event. Jesus is transfigured, verse 2. And he was transfigured before them. Now, the word transfigured is the word that we get metamorphosis, metamorphosis, so he was changed. It doesn't mean that he was the same guy, just brighter. Which is kind of the way that we look at this. It, you know, that he was transfigured. He was the same guy. He was, no, metamorphosis means that he was changed into another form. Now, in the same way, you know, that you get the caterpillar and the butterfly and all this kind of changed into another form. All right, so here he was transfigured. Somehow, some way, he was transformed into another form. Not just brighter Jesus, but transformed. It physically transformed into the radiance of his clothing. His clothes became white and gleaming. Dazzling white or white like light or gleaming like lightning is kind of the, the words that are used there. To, to show that his clothing also somehow was transformed as well. And you kind of get the impic- picture, you know, uh, my little brain goes back. Moses, when he met with God, he was, you saw his face somewhat glowing. So when he came down from the mountain with meeting, meeting uh, God, his face was glowing to a place where he had to put a veil over his face. All right, this is some, but this is greater than Moses. I mean, this was bigger, transformed, not just glowing, metamorphosis. All right, here's where you get the play. Moses and Elijah appear. Moses and Elijah appeared with him, talking with him. All right, what's with that? What's with Moses and Elijah? Scripture doesn't tell us, so this is one of those things where you kind of go, okay, Scripture doesn't doesn't tell us. I've got my own little little theory here that I'll uh, advance down the road. But uh, what what's with this Moses and Elijah thing? I mean, how come we got Moses and Elijah there? Why why you know why not Abraham and David? Uh, why not uh, Samuel, Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah? I mean, you know, some of these guys that were you know, also up there, what what happened with with Moses and Elijah? What do you think? Law, okay. Moses is a prophet. Okay, very common. Very common. Moses all and, all Elijah and Elijah representing. And then Jesus fulfilled all of it. Okay, Jesus fulfilled. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Very common, common way to look at it. Yes. Others. Nobody cares. Elijah was uh, transported to heaven, and Moses was buried by God somewhere. Yeah, okay. Both of them. Yeah, you, you're kind of in the mystery as to what happened with, with, uh, with them, and especially with Elijah. Yeah, he was transported up there. Moses, somewhere, somewhere there, right? Yeah? Okay. I'm going to go into modern day. Jesus was endorsed by Moses and Elijah by his appearance. They, the people knew of Moses, they knew of Elijah. Now they have the endorsement of the two greatest heroes on Jesus. And so it, it, you know, in simplistic man terms, because this is still mind blowing, Jesus is just mind blowing altogether. But they have the endorsement of the people that they know existed and God's word was true. Not only God, but men who lived. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it would be like uh, uh, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, you know, kind of endorsing somebody, you know. Uh, yeah, okay, kind of the same same type of thing. Whoa, yeah. And in fact, Peter, when he responds, kind of kind of alludes a little bit to that, doesn't he? Any, anybody else? You know, those are all great suggestions. Scripture doesn't tell us exactly as to why Moses and Elijah obviously Moses and Elijah represent in some cases the, the law, Moses the prophet, it also represents the times though if you think back and I've talked a little bit about this before, it also t- talks about the times where God stepped in and authenticated both the message and the messenger with those individuals as well so law prophet but you know, where the way that they died, things of that nature but that was also the same time frame, if you remember through Scripture, as you think back through Scripture, that was the time frame where, G, where God actually stepped in and authenticated the message and the messenger with those individuals. Let's, so let's think back. Three times in Scripture when those things—yeah, go ahead. Uh, how did they know it? They had name tags. <laughs> That's the reason we need a name tag. Yeah. They didn't know what they looked like. <laughs> Scripture doesn't tell us exactly as to how they recognize it. They must have had name tags. <laughs> Think back, though. Think back as to when, when God appeared to authenticate the message in the messenger in three times. Three times. First time was with Moses. What was the message? The message was, let my people go. Who's going to speak? Moses. All right, Moses. <laughs> He goes to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, let my people go. Message, messenger, Moses. I'm speaking now through Moses. Let my people go. <laughs> Authenticated with sign gifts, i.e., you know, all the things that happened in Egypt. You know, speaking through the. Okay, there was a period of silence. You see, in Scripture, there was a period of silence. When is the next time you see sign gifts authenticating the message and the messenger? Prophets, Elijah and the prophets. Elijah kind of represented what, what, what happened. Well, hey, Israel, what's the message? Hey, Israel, get your act together or we are going to take you away into captivity. <laughs> I am now speaking through the prophets. So we have the prophets now speaking. They were authenticated by sign gifts, miraculous signs and wonders and things of that nature, which authenticated the message and the messenger. Israel, get your act together. We're going to take you away. They did marvelous things. Okay. Moses, silence. Elijah, prophets, silence. Jesus, yeah. Jesus and, and, the, and the disciples. What is it? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Well, okay, so now on the mountain we have these three guys. Law, prophets, also though we have, you know, all of the other things that are going on with these guys are the greatest, but these are the three times confirming message, messenger, God supernaturally stepping in and going, you listen to him. You go, whoa, what a moment. What a moment, all right, and by the way, by the way, I think that Peter uh thought about that if you go if you go over and you don't have to go there, let me just read it to you over in second Peter, if you remember in chapter one, second Peter, Peter, who was there, thinking about that, second Peter chapter one, um, let me see i didn't the uh, 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 by the springs of uh, St Peter chapter one. chapter one. Oh, yeah, there it go. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, "This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased." Peter remembered that. He remembered that moment. And he goes, God stepped in here. God intervened, authenticating who he was. Is he worthy to be followed? Is he worthy of my allegiance? God now intervenes. And third, notice, they were talking, appeared to them, talking with him in verse 3. Moses and Elijah appeared, and they were talking with him. What do you think they were talking about? Doesn't say. What do you think they were talking about? Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah, could have been the cross, perhaps. Do we have a hint, maybe, that that was there? Probably, you know, because it, it says uh, uh, in in Luke it says they were talking about his departure which the word there, departure, is a a form derivative of exodus. So you got Moses with the exodus, but Jesus' exodus, departure. So yeah, probably talking about where he was going and talking about just encouragement in some respects, uh, you know, of his departure of going to the cross because he had just talked about, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die and that kind of stuff. So I think that they were talking probably about his exodus. Okay, now Peter speaks, verse 4. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here if you wish. I'll make three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. What's going on? You gotta love Peter, don't you? You gotta love Peter. What do you think was happening here with with, with Peter. All right. Yeah. Three tabernacles. So the, the feast of tabernacles comes into play. Yeah. All right. Wants to honor them any way that he really knows how. Okay. All right. Yeah. He's equating the three of them. Very important. Is that what you were going to say as well? Peter was just a little bit early in his timing. Peter was a little early in his timing. A little he bit was, early in his yeah, timing. Yeah. Wanted to wanted to re- remember this event. Wanted it to stay the stay stay there in the into the whole kingdom thing. Hey, I think that this is this is the time we're here. We've arrived. Type type of thing. What else? Yeah. And he's thinking, i got to do something. Even though he really didn't need to, because as he was speaking, he got interrupted. So I mean, I think he was well-intentioned, but I think he was just overwhelmed. I've got to do something. OK, all right, all right. I got I to gotta do, I gotta, I gotta do something. Yeah, Howard? Well, it seemed to me like um, <clears throat> Peter was putting them all on the same level. And I uh, don't think that's quite appropriate. Okay, all right. All right, yeah. Go ahead, Jan. It's about time. Shut up. I didn't say that. Quickly. I I think it's a mountaintop experience, and we all want to stay in a mountaintop experience, and we cannot because we're called to go down back into the valley. Okay, all right. It reminds me of David saying, I want to build you a house. I want to build you a temple. All right, yeah, good, yeah. All that... One of the things here that I think is going on, in all of those, it's, it's you know, you kind of go what what's happening with Peter? Is yeah, let's build one for, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you. Kind of like all three equal. We got Abraham Lincoln, we got George Washington, we got Doug Cecil. <laughs> you know. Let's build three, you know, right, right here. All three equal. Three tabernacles, all three on the level P. Okay, at that point, at that point, God now intervenes. While Peter, while he was still speaking, verse five. While he was still speaking, in other words, I think God's sitting there, he's going, oh, I know where this is headed. I know where this is headed. A cloud forms. Whoa. Now we just look at that, we say, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Pause there for a second. Was this just a fog? No, 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 no. You know, I, I, I think it's one of those deals of like, how do, you, how do you describe the Shekinah glory? You know, how do you, how do you describe how do you describe the cloud that was at the tabernacle during the day, the fire at night? How do you describe these things? And so you have this glory that says, while you're still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Whoa! In the movies, this would be, you know, this, this would be the times where the the, the music was like, boom, 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 boom. You know, kind of, whoa. You know, and, you, and you, you realize in verse 6, verse 6 it says they were terrified. They were terrified. Absolutely. I mean, don't miss it. As he's still speaking, what happens? And behold, a voice out of the cloud says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Now this is the second time that God's spoken, right? Remember, when was the first time that he spoke? Baptism, yeah. What what did he say? What did he say at the baptism? He said, anybody remember? With whom I am well pleased, pleased. all right. So I think there, with the baptism, it was really designed to encourage Jesus. This is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. Now he comes in, this is my beloved son, you listen to him. Who do you think that went for? The disciples. Who? You. Me. Us. This is my beloved son. You listen to him. Who are you listening to? Who do you put on equal voice with Jesus? Oprah? Who are are the other pundits that are out there that you put on the same level as Jesus? I mean, hey, I'll make three tabernacles. One for Dr. Phil, one for, you know. And one for Jesus. Jesus just now at that point becomes one more voice in the midst of a lot of other voices. It's exactly what Peter was saying. Hey, we'll make three tabernacles. One for Moses one for Elijah, one for Jesus. It'll be great. Three voices, one, hey, all equal, all equal, all equal things. God steps in and says, no, 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 no. No, nay, nay. Nay, nay. You listen to him. You listen to him. Well, after that, this is my, when the disciples heard this, they fell on under the ground. They were terrified terrified, shaking, fell down on the ground. So that gives you another impression about what this cloud was like. When they heard the voice in the cloud, they fell down on their face. They could not stand on the face. They realized what was happening. And they were terrified. Verse 7, Jesus comes to them Touch them. Touch them. How sweet. How sweet. And he says, get up. Do not be afraid. What a sweet, sweet, sweet moment. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Whoa, you in the picture here? You in the picture? They were trying to figure out, is this guy worthy to be followed? Is he worthy of my allegiance? Is he really the one? He says he's going to Jerusalem to die on my behalf. Is this guy really worthy to to be followed? Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on a mountain. He is changed, transformed, different figure, not just radiant, different. Peter opens his mouth. Hey, this is cool. Let's make three... Three tabernacles, all equal. God. (sniffs) Nay, nay. This is my beloved son. You listen to him. And then, Jesus is standing there alone. Walk. you know, timing. Don't be afraid. Follow, follow me. Follow me. Well, that's exactly what he was talking about. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. And is he worthy to be followed? Absolutely. Should we be listening to him? Absolutely. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? You know, there's a number of different voices out there that would want to hinder our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we start listening to those other voices that are out there. And we put them all on the same equal value. And a lot of times, that equal voice that we put on equal value is ourselves. So don't just think that it's somebody out there. But we want Christianity in our, own, in our own likeness. And sometimes when the word comes in conflict with the way that you see it, you back off, and, or I back off, I'm going to put it on me, I'll back off and say, I don't like it that way, I want it this way. I don't know if I want to really follow Jesus Christ. Is he really worthy of my allegiance? Is he really worthy to be followed? And we start listening to that inner voice in in ourselves that says, you know, no, 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 no. That can't be right. I want it this way. And so then we start doing a little manipulation, you know, of the text. You know, a little dancing around with the text here to try to make it fit to, to a place which feels comfortable to myself rather than, really saying, what's God teaching here? Is he worthy to be followed? You know, it gets back to, we we tend to think that we know better than God. We tend to think that we we can do it better than God. So consequently, rather than follow him, we start listening to, Either the other person, or more likely ourselves. Number of voices out there, you know that Dallas Willard, uh, he's he, one of these thinkers that's kind of out there every once in a while. But I, I, I liked what he had to say in this one this one uh, thing. He said, you know, how do you how do you view how do you view Jesus? How do you view Jesus? Here he said, here's a profoundly, this is a quote from Dallas Willard, here's a profoundly significant fact. In our culture, among Christians and non-Christians alike, Jesus Christ is automatically disassociated from brilliance or intellectual capacity. Not one in a thousand will spontaneously think of him in conjunction with words such as well-informed, brilliant, or smart. Far too often he is regarded as hardly conscious, a mere icon, a wrath-like semblance of a man, fit for the role of a sacrificial lamb or alienated social critic perhaps, but little more. Would you be able to trust your life to such a person? If this is how he seems to you, Are you going to be inclined to become his student? You know, when Peter heard the words, at that point he fell on his face, was terrified, and he realized who he was dealing with. And Jesus, in that sweet moment, comes over and says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid follow me. See, he's worthy to be followed. Listen to Jesus. How do you listen to Jesus? Through his word. Through his word. Now you get back into the thing, all right, how often are you listening to Jesus? Are you merely talking the talk and not walking the walk? are you really looking at Jesus and saying, yeah, I want to listen. I want to listen. My heart is open for you to teach. My heart is open for you to, to change. My heart is open for you to deal with me at the deepest root level, to be able to change me, to be more conformed to the image of, of yourself. I want to listen. I want to I dive into your word. Teach me, tell me. I don't want to just have that intellectual stuff. I want to be changed. Or are you out there listening to those other voices, which most likely are probably, well, this is the way I see it. This is the way that I like to do it. This is the way that I view life. This is the way I like it. And all of those sentences now start to be with I and me, which Is very, very uncomfortable. Know what he taught. Believe what he taught. Being taught in all of those areas of life, not just on Sunday morning. But every day as we come to him, pre-deciding, pre-deciding, I'm going to follow Jesus. He's worthy of my allegiance. He's worthy to be followed. Who is this guy? Lord of lords and King of kings, and He's coming again. He's coming again. What a great passage! I always, when I see these passages, I always in these passages, I always say, you know, what's it doing here? Why is this here? Why, why does this particular snippet here? And it always follows. All of these. It's not there just by happen chance. But you can see the flow of thought. You can see the flow of the thinking as to what was going on. And the disciples needed to know. They needed to know. Is this guy worthy to follow? He's saying, follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Is he worthy of allegiance? <laughs> yes. 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 Cute girl in the back. Yes. John 15. 17. Five. Memory verse. John. Or not John. Matthew 17, 5. Matthew 17, 5. Listen to him. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for just the reality of your word, of how it all fits together. It flows into a, a wonderful story. Father, I pray that that would sink deep into our hearts, that we would be able to see you alone, not just one of many voices, but you alone, as worthy to be followed. Mold us, shape us, conform us to your image, not to the image that we would like to see, but to your image that sometimes comes in conflict with us, me. Father, we love you. Thank you for the reminder of what was happening here. May we fall on our face in worship before you every moment of every day. For we pray these things in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 See you next week.